You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Quincy Jones III and Paul Campbell of QD3 go on the record online. I mean, I think that the the concept for us is to aggregate the global audience. You know, you might have 100,000 hip-hop fans in Sweden, you know, 25,000 in Denmark, and a couple million in Germany, and what we're going to do is aggregate all of them. So there's a global audience that's much larger than just the American portion of hip of urban, right? And and that whole notion of urban in our the way that we define it as being more than a, a demographic, that it really is a psychographic. And thank you for downloading another episode of On the Record Online, the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. Now, if this is the first uh, time you're downloading this show. Um, what we do here is in-depth one-on-one interviews. Uh, we talk to journalists from the mainstream media, bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers. And we talk, for the most part, about how technology is threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman. I'm the founder and chairman of iPressroom Corporation. And we are a uh, web-based uh, content management company uh, that has an interactive dashboard that allows a non-technical person to uh, conduct interactive marketing campaigns uh, that reach online audiences without having to depend on an IT person to do it. And I'm also personally and professionally fascinated uh, at how technology is changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information. Something else I'd like to mention, if you're interested in learning how you can incorporate blogs, podcasts, new media, social media, video on demand, audio on demand, email marketing, search engine optimization, all these various components that comprise uh, online marketing and public relations, you may want to consider taking a class that I've been asked to teach at UCLA Extension, uh, which starts January 24th, 2007. It's an introduction to online uh, new media, uh, introduction to uh, online PR. And um, it's interesting because uh, I don't know if anyone saw the recent scuffle with a uh, with the campus police uh, that was uh, uploaded to YouTube but all you have to do is search police brutality on YouTube and you'll see a, a student there um, actually on campus uh, being tased repeatedly by a, um, a campus policeman for refusing to uh, to leave the library uh, because he didn't have ID after 11 uh, p.m. at night and it's cre- cre- created uh, quite a lot of controversy online and it's interesting because here's the school where this happened and now I've been asked to teach a class about online PR at that school. So one of the things we'll talk about is that incident and we'll profile it and break it down. Um, if you want information about uh, uh, how to, um, how to uh, enroll in that class, uh, go to www.schwartzmanpr.com. Uh, and uh, we're going to go for five Wednesday nights, uh, 9 p.m. 
uh, Wednesday nights, five Wednesdays in a row. And we're going to bring in some really great guest lecturers. We're going to have Sally Falco uh, and Phil Gomes of Edelman talking about blogging. We're going to have Dan Class of The Bitterest Pill and Tim Borquin of Podcast Brothers talking about podcasting. And we're going to have Rob Barrett, the GM of LATimes.com, talking about the migration uh, of mainstream media to the web. Uh, so it's a great opportunity for you to get your arms around this stuff and uh, sort of upgrade your, your, your toolkit and learn how to integrate new media into your conventional media relations and uh, public relations and marketing campaigns. Uh, so uh, now we are going to play for you the interview uh, with uh, Quincy Jones III and Paul Campbell. Um, they are both uh, partners in QD3, and it comes to you entirely unedited after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Quincy and Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So now, you guys just completed a keynote about uh, this new foray QD3 has in the area of new media. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Right. Well, thank you. And I'm uh, sorry, I'm, I'll direct the question to you, Paul. Right. So QD3 Entertainment, uh, the way we describe it, is an urban-focused, multi-platform company. And by multi-platform, we are creating content for uh, traditional media, television, uh, DVD, uh, as well as these new emerging digital platforms, Video On Demand, uh, Mobile, where we're licensing content to partners like Amped, and uh, also we've just launched our uh, broadband channel at qd3.com, where there's content from our library. We've, we've assembled a library of over 2,000 plus hours of quality urban programming, which we feel makes us the, the largest independent uh, owner of urban programming that we are distributing in various forms on our website and licensing to other partners. So that's QD3 Entertainment in a nutshell. And uh, uh, Quincy, tell us a little bit about QD3 Sound, if you would. Sound Lab. QD3 Sound Lab was um, my music production company for about 20 years. Um, you know, when I was a music producer, I had a publishing company attached to it where I had several writers and artists signed to there and also um, a label attached to it. Um, and of course the core business was just music production and we produced for Ice Cube, Tupac, Yellow Cool J, Latifah, Exhibit, you name them. So that's, that was during the music days. And we also did uh, film, and, film and television scoring. We did Menace to Society, Fresh Prince, and a whole bunch of other shows. So. And you were responsible for launching this new entertainment division is bringing Paul as well, right? Exactly. Like I was watching TV one day and um, a hip-hop documentary came on and um, it just didn't really reflect what it was like really being there and it didn't um, cover the culture in an in a authentic, authentic way. So um, that's kind of what sparked the idea of going into media so that we could have a first-hand account of, of our culture. And I saw the Ken Burns series and that was it. I was like, this is what I want to do for the next however many years. And tell us the story about how you guys met and how you got started together. Sure. It's a story we loved, we loved to tell. About five years ago, uh, I was at Microsoft, and uh, Quincy's cousin 
was working at Microsoft, said, you need to meet my cousin, you need to meet my cousin. I come to L.A., and uh, the reason he, uh, sorry to cut you yeah. off, but the reason he was saying that is because I was harassing him to hook me up with Paul, so yeah. <laughs> I'm a tech kid. Yeah. yeah, Quincy's the biggest geek that I've met, so we were talking, and we, find, we talked on the phone. I come to Los Angeles, I'm staying at, the, at a hotel in Santa Monica, and I come downstairs and I'm reading a book, it's my favorite business book, and uh, it's Good to Great by Jim Collins, and in walks Quincy with his computer and Jim Collins' book. And we just was like, okay, how does this, there are no coincidences, there's something going on here. And that uh, sparked a friendship that has now uh, matured or evolved into uh, us working together to, to take QD3 to, uh, to these, all of these other platforms. One of the things that excites so many of us in the world of new media and social media about these emerging formats is the fact that like-minded people can hook up with one another and share ideas without being bound by their demographic profile. You describe your business as urban-focused. Do you see that as a limitation? How does that figure out in the world where we are? We exist as in, the, in the realm of pure ideas? Quincy, why don't you take that? Um... I mean, I think that the, that the concept for us is to aggregate the global audience. You know, you might have 100,000 hip-hop fans in Sweden, you know, 25,000 in Denmark, and a couple million in Germany, and what we're going to do is aggregate all of them. So there's a global audience that's much larger than just the American portion of hip, of urban. Right. And, and that whole notion of urban, in our, the way that we define it as being more than a, a demographic, that it really is a psychographic, and that um, from people who grew up, came of age with, with hip-hop to, to folks that, uh, you know, younger generation that uh, don't know anything other than looking at the, at the pop charts and seeing there's urban, there's rock, urban and rock work together, Linkin Park and Jay-Z, uh, uh, you know, cut an album together. The audience that loves Linkin Park, that also loves Jay-Z, who are they? They're urban. So it's a much broader definition than sort of any ethnic group that you may want to put it, uh, you, you may want to define it as. Exactly. I mean, skateboarders listen predominantly to hip-hop, you know. So surfers. It's surfers, you know, it's... So it's part of these underground subculture that we're tapping that we're tapping into, and as we get feedback, and and oftentimes as we know, things that are happening sort of underground take time before they percolate to the surface and become part of of, of mass awareness. But that's that's the opportunity with these new media platforms and this whole notion of the long tail. We can service things where we do something with a project with a Fifty Cent or with a Game or a Nas or some a very big name artist, and it. It grabs a lot of attention, like beef, but we can also take that uh, that audience and do a project like Letter to the President, which was a much more politically focused documentary that we did. Same rappers, it uh, it appeals to a smaller uh, subset of 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 an audience, but still a very relevant audience that is looking for you know important information and the internet just makes it wide open and mobile makes it wide open for how we can reach that audience do, do you buy into the notion of the digital divide that somehow there's this this gap that we have to cross to be able to uh, reach an urban audience via broadband is that is that for real or do you think that's all just cooked up I think that there's the empirical data you know from a socioeconomic standpoint I think that there's there's definitely we can't deny that there are 
economic differences and to the extent that those economic differences have an impact on access, then yes. But is there a lack of willingness or interest or desire that that one group is more uh, interested in this technology than another group? No, don't believe that. And as the technology becomes increasingly accessible and becomes a priority, there is no digital divide from that standpoint. It's an economic barrier if there is one. Yep, and I think one of the goals with QD3.com is to make it cool to uh, for our demographic to go on the internet and that sort of thing. Because right now, like they, they're very into, they're super early adapters, like the whole hip hop demographic, they're the first to buy cell phones and they'll exchange them every three months if something hotter comes out. You know, they want the latest cutting edge technology. Just really, it's, it's like an accessory. So, well, well, given that you guys are in business today and you're looking to be profitable today, tell us about the role of mobile media in your business and how you intend to take advantage of it. So, t- today, mobile media is, you know, honestly uh, an adjacent market, but one that we see growing very rapidly. Um, what we're what we're doing today is licensing content to partners like Amped. Uh, that are, you know, having aggregating aggregation and lifestyle services, and uh, and with more deals that we'll be able to announce very shortly along those lines. But we are also uh, involved in rolling out uh, our own direct-to-consumer services. So being able to offer short codes off of the QD3.com website um, to to download, um, you know, with a WAP application, download uh, content and interactive applications that fit our programming model, fit our fit our audience. But we see it with all of the platforms that there's a lot of energy, and sometimes there's even more hype than there is actual reality in 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 some of these markets. But strategically, no one can deny that 12 months, 24 months and beyond that these are these markets are going to grow so we see them as being important to get involved in now for the learning for building the brand um, but you have to m- measure the, the the level of investment that you're making in line with uh, where the revenue is going to come in so that's the balancing act that we're you know that we're trying to strike and it's it's trial and error as well G- given that Given that you are licensing your content and we are existing in a world today of consumer-generated content where people may use your content without paying you a fee, Uh, they may use your content on their MySpace page as a reflection of their personality, Um, how does that how does that prevent you from being from your profitability? I mean, how or how do you leverage that to generate income off of premium content? Right. That's uh, the, the way you've, 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 you frame the question in the second half is exactly what we're trying to do. And uh, I think it's more art than science uh, as to how you utilize the passion that your audience has for your programming and wanting to personalize it and have it reflect who they are as a promotional uh, vehicle. So to utilize it for that. And then, but you, it, it just, what it does is it creates... Uh, the, the need for increasingly to add value on what we're doing at QD3.com or any of our other platforms that, that we're offering to the audience. So, you know, better tools, um, you know, more interactive features. We have to keep ratcheting, it, ratcheting up what we're delivering so that there is a reason for the user to say, 
I want to have that connection. I'm just not, you know, going to take the content and go my own way. Right, and also, I mean, there's, you know, there's bugs that move around on the screen with e with each with each clip. So even if somebody takes it and rips it and puts it on their site, it's if people like what they see, it's almost like a viral marketing move, you know, so that they'll click on the link and go back to our site regardless. And traffic means a lot to us, so it's a win-win. Right. Now, given that you were producing record label uh, re records before the internet was a big deal, and given that you're probably working with major record distributors to get your product in the marketplace, how does your play in new media impact your ability to do business with them? Are, do they feel threatened? Are they congratulatory? I mean, I think one of the things that that we have the opportunity to do is marry our visual media business with the music side, because there was this one guy named True Life who was a complete unknown. Uh, when we did Beef One, one of our titles, and we featured him in uh, in the film, and uh, about a year and a half later, Jay Z saw the DVD and loved it and felt like he was a star and signed him. You know what I mean? So, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to launch artists through the visual side and create like a, a deeper connection between the audience and, and and the artist by showing who they are, painting a picture, you know, going into their world and then dropping the record. So those are things that we're Kind of what what I want to understand though is where are the challenges? I mean, tell I mean, as we all know, the best product doesn't always win. There's no. politics. There's all sorts of things that get in the way. There's obstacles. So, what are the biggest obstacles that you're currently presented with? The biggest obstacles are the transition that is taking place or needs to take place in the advertising market. Right? Everyone is aware of the shift, the 30-second spot is dead, or, you know, the, the traditional interruption-driven advertising doesn't work in a world of TiVo and everything being on demand. So the advertising, but in a world of free content, the content has to be subsidized. The production of, of quality programming has to be subsidized in some way. So the advertising model has to shift to something where it is more enabling, more integrated into the, the message uh, in a way that it's clear, there's a clear line between what's advertising and what's editorial, but the audience says, I accept it, right? Because it has context. It fits into what I, what I expect from the brand or what I expect from, uh, you know, from, from, from that destination. So advertising is, is a challenge. Technology platforms not being stable. Uh, what I mean by not being stable is there's always something new that's coming up. There's, you know, uh, it's, it's this format or that format. And then internationally, uh, different mobile platforms, uh, different parts of the world being ahead of, of where we are in, in the U.S. So how do you, as a content company that has technology capabilities, make the investment on which platform is actually going to win? Right. So the ability of having a stable internet, HTML, and the web 2.0 now technologies coming into play helps us on that front. But uh, mobile is not that it, it is 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 still in its we feel in its stabilizing uh, phase. So there are decisions and, and bets that you have to make, which which are challenges. So let's just a follow up question on that on the notion of taming technology, yes. the idea that t technology is an expense, it breaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we like what it does for us, but you know, it creates numerous challenges because it's not stable. If you have four, five different options to choose from to tame technology, the first being licensing existing technology from a software company, the second being partnering with a company that can do it for you and let them deal with it. 
the third being build it yourself. I mean, we've seen one YouTube. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of other yeah. bazillionaires after that. Mm -hmm. uh, four being uh, buy it, buy it outright, buy some software that you don't have to maintain. It's box software. Mm -hmm. Put it up on a server in a colo. Maintain the server yourself. And the last one being software as a service, mm -hmm. where you lease seats on some sort of mm -hmm. platform. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most responsible approach for a content provider? I'll take a step back in answering that question, that the way we're thinking about technology is our, our core competency needs to be the ability to create compelling stories, whether they're 20 seconds long or two hours long and they distributed across a variety of different platforms, which gets us very, very excited. That said, we have to have a, a, a competency, and it's actually a source of competitive advantage, and it was the reason that, as we talked as friends, Quincy and I talked as friends, that the partnership made so much sense, is my background comes out of the technology world, and particularly, how do you harness technology for competitive advantage? And I spent a lot of my time sort of talking on the other side of the fence to media companies about digital asset management systems and DRM, to, do, to, to DRM or to not DRM, and, and all of those kinds of issues, codecs, and you know, getting right into the minutia. But what it taught me was how to evaluate, it's more, to your question, it's a hybrid approach of having enough internal capability of knowing how to take, whether it's an off-the-shelf uh, software package or something that is delivered in an, a in an ASP model, and then modifying it based on your understanding of what your audience wants. And so when the, the Web 2.0 technologies get us excited in that regard because you can modify it, right? With XML, uh, with an XML base, you can start to look at and say, now how do we start, you know, working the, the the knobs here to deliver a unique experience that's based on a standard way of interacting, right? Um, there are other services of of how we're provisioning video now, where we don't have to go and build. We're using software as a service for the way we're provisioning video out of our uh, from our library. So. But you have to be aware and stay in front of, of those curves because you can have the most creative storytelling capability, but if you can't deliver it uh, in a compelling way and really take advantage of the new technology advancements, somebody else who can do that and may be less creative will end up winning. It's the intersection of the two that we think is the recipe for success. Final question, and I'll direct this to you, Quincy. Uh, you have produced a number of uh, albums that have been very influential in the, in the lives of, of music listeners. Who are your influencers? Musically? M musically, uh, media-wise, uh, actors. In the world today, who are you taking your cues from? Um, I mean, foundationally, I take him from like Tupac and Ice Cube, just in terms of the music side. And um, I think they're amazing people, you know, and they've taught me a lot on the personal level as well. And uh, my father, just in terms of his, the range in his music, you know, mixing Brazilian music with South African music all in one song. That's something that's been very inspiring and, you know, taking Brazilian percussion and putting it over disco beats, you know what I mean? So I love, I love the, the hybrid element of what, what he did. Um, Steve Jobs on the tech side, I love the way that they're, you know, forward thinkers and introducing really hip products, but that also are just really easy to use and nice to look at. <laughs> so those would be a few of the people. Um, yeah. 
Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 